Teron Lowe. Seven straight points by Iverson. Looked like he was dead in the water. Ball slips her by six. Jordan. Open. Chicago with the lead. If that's the last image of Michael Jordan, how magnificent series. It's Lillard. He got the shot off. What's up, everyone, and welcome back to a brand new episode of the 3 and D. I'm Paul Lombardi, and I'd like to welcome everyone back to the Review and Preview Network for my weekly NBA and college basketball show. Make sure to check us out on all social media platforms and subscribe to our YouTube channel at Review and Preview Sports. In tonight's episode, we have Kyle Russo of Review and Preview to join us. We're going to talk about some of the stories around the league, including the Andre Drummond trade market, the... Uh, Blake Griffin trade market, and then later on, I'll reveal my predictions for the NBA All-Star rosters this year, some more AP poll surprises, and the top college games of the week, as we tend to do. So, Kyle, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Paul. First time on here. Happy to be here to talk some NBA hoop with you. I'm excited. It's going to be a good show, for sure. No doubt. Um, the lot, lot been going around the league, for sure, these past couple of weeks. I mean as we've been been seeing teams jump up and down on the leaderboards. Right now, the Jazz are on top, and the Jazz are really like the talk of the, uh, of the entire league, to be completely honest. So my first, my first prompt really is, are the Utah Jazz the best team in the West? What do you think on that? I think now, Paul, and you know, something else to, to talk about, Anthony Davis is now going to be out two to three weeks. You know what, uh, uh, Achilles tendonitis, um, so we'll see where that leads to if he may be out longer uh, based on record and where the Lakers stand. So I think with that being said, uh, Clippers also dealing with some injuries with Paul George as well. But that being said, the Jazz are the surprise. I believe they sit now with what, a 22-5 and five record yep. in the NBA? Absolutely unbelievable. They have won, what, uh, 17 out of the last 18 games? I think it's a 17-1 and one run or 18-1 and one run, something along those lines. They've been absolutely incredible, and I think out of 16 of those games, they've beaten their opponents by double-digit points. They've been phenomenal. And I think that, Paul, when we talk about this Utah Jazz team, and I'll throw it over to you, the biggest surprise is that with the exception of a Gobert and the exception of a Donovan Mitchell, they don't have the star talent. What's What I love about this team is that they're built based on chemistry and how they play together as one. Oh, there's no doubt about that. I completely agree. That's the best thing that that you see out of this team. I mean, the Clippers team, like you could see, you can see they're bought. The Lakers team, they're bought. You know, the Jazz team, they're all homegrown and they all work together. They've all they have a tremendous head coach. Quinn Snyder's been doing tremendously with that team, getting them. They've all stuck around too. You know, you got Gobert, Mitchell, Ingles, uh, Bogdanovich, who's in his second year with the Jazz. Uh, you got Jordan Clarkson who just re-signed with them. All of them want to stick around. They have a tremendous thing going. You know, I was watching um, some of the highlights of the game last night, and it's like the ball movement is incredible between them. They're just so in sync as a team. You just had you had Bogdanovich with the a behind the back pass to Mitchell in the corner, spite tosses it across court, and then Ingles hits the side three. It's like they they're so locked in right now that it's tough. And and Mitchell and Gobert are two all stars too. So I mean that always helps. Mitchell's their star player, obviously. You know, twenty four points a game. Uh, he's going to be an all star. But Rudy Gobert is making a push for his third defensive player of the year too. He's having another un- incredible season. They're all just so locked in, and I agree with that. And Bogdanovich is healthy, too, which is key. They didn't have him healthy during the bubble, which was a big loss from them because he was averaging like 19 points a game. He's a big piece. He was a tremendous signing for them. And that's and Jordan Clarkson's even stepped it up, too. He's having a career year, could be a six-man of the year. Uh, he's 
he's been awesome. And t- just like you alluded to, the Lakers and Clippers dealing with injuries. There, there's some, there's some things going around in the West that, you know, is making it like uh, more of an interesting race. You know, Denver isn't as on top as they were the last two years. Right now, they've been struggling a little bit. Some teams haven't been. Dallas has been struggling a bit, and they were in the playoffs last year. You know, it's been interesting. It's been a little bit of a change, and you know, if Anthony Davis is going to miss some time, it's going to be huge. And the Jazz can extend that lead. And I, right now, I think the Jazz are the best team in the West. They're the most sound all around, and they're the most locked in. Yeah, no, absolutely. And another team as well. You look at Portland, right? They're missing CJ McCollum and Nurkic, and the timetable on those guys maybe another month out until the both of them potentially return. So the Jazz. Just based on health, they, they they become one of the best teams in the Western Conference. And another guy, Paul, I don't think you mentioned him. You may have mentioned it, but Mike Connolly as well, right? They brought him over last season uh, in a in a trade, I believe it was. And he he really didn't live up to fruition. I believe he only averaged around 10 points. He was injured for a majority of the season. He's hurt right now. missed the last four games. But this is a guy who was with the Grizzlies for around a decade, never made an all-star team, surprisingly. That's a fun fact for you. Uh but averaging 16.5 points this year, uh, 41% from three, 45% from field, and then 81-plus percent from the free throw line. This guy has been a key piece to the success in which the Jazz have had, along all those other players that you just listed off prior um, to me adding Mike Connolly in the mix. But the Jazz right now, along with Quinn Schneider, I think that's an also a, a very, very underrated head coach in today's day and age, the NBA. He's been with them for – I don't know how many years now. I want to say around five years or so. Yeah, it's been, it's been something like that, six, something. He's been here since the beginning, right, when they first started really assembling this Jazz lineup, when Donovan came in, when a Jordan Clarkson got traded from the Cavaliers at that point in time, when they signed a Bogdanovich uh, from the Pacers, when they brought over a Connolly, uh, bringing back a Derek Favors because they uh, he played with the Pelicans for mm-hmm. a season. Uh, they've assembled this team and the chemistry that they've built, like you said, the passing has just been unbelievable. And that comes with building chemistry and playing with each other for a long time. That's what they've built. And it's crazy to even say that, Paul, because, you know, almost a year ago, right, when when the pandemic started, we thought that the Jazz, uh, something might have hit the fan. Because Rudy Gobert, you know, Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell's relationship, it seemed like that had been completely fractured. And then you saw them rejoice back in the bubble. You know, you still you know, if he waters and they've come together and now they are leading the best team in the NBA right now. So yeah. it's, 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 it's amazing. Really. That's so true. And exactly like a year ago from now, when the season was on pause, it seemed like almost definitely one, if not both of them were getting traded. They were yeah. going to have to blow this apart. They were, you know, at obviously go bear acted immature. We all know that we, no one really knew the extent of all of this too back then. So he, you know, it, it was a very difficult situation and Mitchell ended up getting, getting sick. What it caused the entire lock, the entire shutdown of the NBA, they would have shut down anyway, but they, they were, they had so much negative attention last year. And then they went into the bubble without Bogdanovich and everybody's looking at Mitchell and Gobert as like, oh, I want to see like how these two play together because everybody knows the story now, like of how they, uh, how their relationship is, you know, on the rocks or whatever. And they completely mended it. And it's shown this season. They're, they are absolutely locked in. And that's basketball is purest form too. You know, you could have like all the stars in the world. You can, you could be the Nets right now and they're not winning games. Because they're not, they're you know not locked in. They're going to eventually win games because they're too talented. But winning winning games comes from just playing good basketball and from playing good from playing good team basketball. I should say playing defense, playing both ends of the floor, passing correctly. Um, that's why you know the Knicks have even started winning because they're playing more defense. It's it's really really just like a, just fun to watch them play. Honestly. It's it's been so cool, and I've been glad to finally see them turn the corner because they've been up there. They've been good in the in the race for the last few years in the West. You know, Mitchell he looks like he's going to become the franchise player. Gobert is their all their all defensive player, but yeah. they couldn't get over the hump. It looks like they're finally doing it. Now we don't want to jinx it because you know only twenty five games into the season, but they I mean they look good. They, there's no doubt about it. And, you know, with the the up and down of how 
the other top teams like the Lakers and Clippers might perform do basically um do basically due to some of the injuries that are going on. It's it's going to be it's going to be very interesting to see um the, to see what happens going forward. But I think I don't see them slowing down too much unless like and hopefully no one gets hurt. Hopefully they they stay fully healthy because because they're absolutely locked in and it's there. There's very few teams in the league that can beat them right now. I think. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, you look at this Western Conference. I'm just looking at the Western Conference. We're talking about injuries, and I'm breaking down each and every team. And you're looking at the guys that are that are in it, and you're looking at the teams that aren't even in it, uh, that aren't in it right now. Like, for instance, right, number two seed in the West, Lakers, just lost Anthony Davis. Clippers, yeah. missing Paul George. Phoenix, I believe that they had uh, Devin Booker missed a few games, or Chris Paul missed a few games. Portland, who's in it, uh, missing huge, huge pieces. And CJ McCollum. And um, Nurkic, San Antonio as well, missed DeJounta Murray for a couple games. Denver missed Michael Porter Jr. for the first two, three weeks of the season because of contact tracing. Golden State missing a Wiseman right now. Memphis, John Moran, Dallas, uh, Chris Stapp, Sacramento. You know, these teams, it goes on and on and on. The Jazz are the one team in the Western Conference right now that have not had this injury bug so far. You know, knock on wood, nothing happens. And that's given them a lot of the success. You know, Giannis came out and said, I believe it was yesterday, two days ago, that's the best team in the West, or if not saying the best team in the NBA. Giving respect where respect is due. You know, this is a team in the Bucks where you got a couple stars, superstars, Giannis, Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton. The Jazz don't have that, really, with the exception of Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. It comes with a lot of role players and a lot of key success built from the chemistry in which they've had. And I give them a lot of props because this is what, you know, as a fan, right? You, you love super teams. You love seeing stars play together. I'm from New York. I loved when James Harden got traded to Brooklyn. It was awesome. It was going to be an offensive display. You knew there were going to be problems defense, but you didn't care because the offense they were going to put out there was going to be so fun to watch. The Jazz have assembled a true basketball team through and through. They, they, they are number six in the league in terms of scoring points with 115. They're number one in rebounds. They're one of the best defensive teams in basketball. Uh, aside from Rudy Gobert, they have a lot of key defensive pieces that can lock down people uh, on the defensive side of the ball. They can score. They can shoot. They're a great all-around team. There's not too many holes. The only hole with this Jazz team and what will ultimately potentially come down to is when they start getting through the thick of things in the playoffs, when they have to play like a Lakers, let's say Anthony Davis gets healthy, Paul George gets healthy, are they going to be able to outman them star-wise? That will be the question. When we say, is this Jazz team legitimate or not? Because, Paul, as you know, right, anybody could play in the regular season, have the best record. But when have we seen in the past, because I can't even remember, because uh, I don't even think the Lakers were last year when they won the championship. Were the Lakers the number one seed in the Western Conference? I don't believe they were. I think it might have been Denver at that point in time. They, they might have. Yeah, Denver was. Denver was the one seed, Lakers were the two. And then you look at the Eastern Conference, right? Milwaukee finishing off with the number one seed. Exactly. At the end of the day, the playoffs is a completely different ball game. You could place wherever you want. At the end of the day, whatever team performs better in the playoffs, whatever team has probably the most stars is going to be the team to succeed. So right now, the Jazz, unbelievable, no knock against them, 22-5. and five. Fantastic, 18-1 and one win streak right now, or 17-1 and one win streak. But when it comes down to the playoffs, the, leg- the question is going to be, is this a legitimate contender? Because even as great as they are, Paul, and maybe you could attest this, back this up, uh, disagree or agree, at the end of the day, how legitimate do you feel that the Jazz are right now? I mean, they're a great team and all, great in the regular season, but what what are their odds that you give them coming out of the Western Conference representing the West potentially? They they have a tough road ahead of them. There's no doubt about that because the Lakers will be a different animal during the playoffs. We know that. You know, watching LeBron for all these years, we know that Kawhi shows up in the playoffs. You have te- you have teams that are already established in the playoffs, and these Jazz players haven't established themselves in the playoffs, but they have the star power. And I like the I like this comment a lot right here. Are the Jazz comparable to the Hawks from a few years ago that had that insane regular season but flamed out in the playoffs? And that was that was the year that Corver, Teague, Millsap, and Horford all made the All Star team. They had four All Stars. Um, I would say it's a I would say it's a lot different. That team was absolutely locked in, and Budenholzer was their coach, and you know they they had a good team, and that was like career years for everybody. But Teague was a veteran at that point. Yeah. Uh, 
Horford was a veteran, Millsap was a veteran, and Corver was a journeyman yeah. throughout his career. They were all just having amazing years and clicking together. This is more the Jazz situation now is more of a young core that that is vibing together and you know with perennial all stars like you have Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert who both are almost undoubtedly going to make their second all-star teams this year and be re- be normals to become to be in the all-star team every single year. And you have Jordan Clarkson who's become a legitimate scorer still young too. You have Bogdanovich who's not very who's not very old and he ad- he adds a lot of scoring. Ingles is older, but he does they have guys that do their parts more, I would say, than like than the Hawks did. They have they have perfect guys that balance each other out. Gobert is the stud on the defensive end. Ingles is a good defender. And then you got Clarkson's the sharpshooter. Uh, Ingles is the three and D guy. Knocks down uh, knocks down the three, plays good defense. Mitchell is the all-around star, takes the big shots. Uh, Gobert, like I said, the defensive guy, the defensive big man in the middle. Bogdanovich, a little bit of an inside scorer and a good three-point shooter. They got, and they're all good passers, too. So yeah. it's like... And they all play defense too. None of them are liabilities on defense. I mean, besides maybe Clarkson, but the out of the starting five and Conley too. Like I haven't even been mentioning Conley. Conley can hit threes. He can also. He's also a guy who can take over games. We saw him do that in Memphis for so many years. Uh, He can take the last shot. You have multiple options too to hit a dagger at the end of the game. So I I think it's different. It's like it's a good comparison. Because we don't know how this Jazz team is going to compete in the, the West. Because, you know, we know how LeBron's going to be in the playoffs. We know how Kawhi is going to be in the playoffs. We know how Paul George is going Well, Paul George has been struggling a little bit in the playoffs the last couple of years. But we know how Kawhi is going to be in the playoffs. We know the Nuggets, the Jokic kind of, the Nuggets entire team kind of proved that they can make a deep run in the playoffs last year. We haven't seen that out of the Jazz, but this could be the year that we do see it. It's, it's, there's no doubt that it's a completely different story. The regular season and uh, the postseason, but the Jazz did play well in the bubble last year, and they and they dealt with injuries. They had Bogdanovich out. You know, they didn't have a full team. They were a little bit they were a little bit short ended, and they still made a pretty good push. So I think I think they have a very good shot. I think they have a really good shot, and I think that they actually they can compete with the Lakers. It's going to be tough. I mean, they're going to have to step up big time and you know, become, be an even better team in the regular season in order to beat a Lakers team or a Clippers team in the playoffs. But I think it could be done. Yeah, I think it could be done too. But again, I, I think it just comes down to the fact like it, a lot has to go their way. I, I think that's going to be the ultimate uh, factor in, in how far the Jazz go because the Jazz are making the playoffs. Don't get me wrong. I think the Jazz are more than capable of making it out of the first and probably the second round. But when you wind up matching up against that Lakers team who will ultimately be there, Anthony Davis or not, LeBron will get them there, you know. Or if it's the Clippers, you know, when everybody gets healthy, and not only do they have Kawhi, who's, you know, Kawhi Leonard excellent, Paul George excellent, but now they added some pieces of their own. They added a Serge Ibaka, which I thought was huge, and he's been performing massively for them in the starting lineup. Patrick Beverly is going to come back healthy, a lockdown defender as well. Uh, they got some offensive guys, veteran Lou Williams, been a six-man multiple, multiple times. It's going to come into question, are the Jazz going to be able to hit their shots? Because I think that's what ultimately happened last uh, last season in the bubble as well, Paul, is that uh, the game that they lost, the game seven where they lost on the buzzer beater that Donovan Mitchell uh, missed against Denver, that was a low-scoring game. They just uh, yeah. There was just no points being scored that's going to be the factor where you're keeping up a, a nice standard right now of 115 a game, one of the best defensive teams in basketball. But when you have to play a LeBron James-led Lakers team, probably uh, seven games most likely, six games most likely, or a Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Clippers, are you going to be able to match up against that nicely? Because especially the Lakers. I mean, the mismatch of, you know, because I would essentially believe that Anthony Davis would be matched up on a Rudy Gobert. Can Rudy Gobert guard a, a perimeter shooter like that. Uh, obviously, we know in the paint, fantastic. So Anthony Davis won't have a shot there. But will Rudy Gobert have a shot if if Anthony Davis starts shooting from 15 feet out? That's yeah. where that comes into question. Then you have all these little pieces that the Lakers added specifically so they could keep their dominance, like a Dennis Schroeder, like a Montrez Harrell, to outbeat them based on depth. The Jazz, that's another thing as well, Paul. 
The Jazz are a really good team right now, but but if somebody gets hurt, that could be it because they don't have a lot of depth. They have a solid six, seven guys. They have a solid six, seven guys. They got their starting lineup in Royce O'Neal, Donovan Mitchell, Joe Ingles, Rudy Gobert, uh, Bogdanovich. Uh, they have a Connolly and they have a Clarkson off the bench. Uh, I feel like I'm missing somebody. I could be missing somebody right now, but they you don't have. Most, you got most of them. Uh, they don't have that same depth that these other teams, like the Clippers and the the Lakers, potentially have to throw at them. Again, we we could talk about this all night and where the Utah Jazz are going to be. Like you said earlier, in a 72 game season, we're about what uh, a third of the way through. We're about a third of the way through, something along yeah. those lines. The Jazz can be a completely different team, can be the same team. When it comes down to the playoffs, are you going to show how legitimate you are? Because the Jazz are also a team, Paul, don't forget, they blew a 3-1 lead against Denver in the playoffs last year. They, exactly. they could have very well been in that position to the second round, to the Western Conference Finals. They blew a 3-1 lead because they weren't able to put it all together. Now, granted, they were missing some pieces in a Bogdanovich. Uh, I do believe Connolly was playing but was injured a little bit. Yeah. But will they keep it consistency, right? We were talking about consistency with this team right now. You have to force that into the playoffs as well for you really to have any any say in terms of favoritism or people rocking with you or people sticking with you and saying, you know what, come playoff time, when it comes down to April and May, that's the team I want in terms of ball games going up against a Lakers, going up against a Clippers, going up against potentially a uh, uh, even a, even a, a Denver team or a, or a Portland team because we know when they get healthy, they're also a big threat in the Western Conference as well. Exactly, and I completely agree. Like, I think the Jazz are the best team in the West right now. It cha- it all changes when playoff con- time comes around and when teams get fully healthy, though. I think the Lakers are, Lakers are obviously the most talented team in the West, though. There's no doubt about that. And if they're fully healthy, they're going to be almost unstoppable to beat. You got LeBron. You got Anthony Davis who can step out and hit threes. You got... You got LeBron who can drive it and then kick out to either Schroeder or Wesley Matthews who are snipers from downtown. I mean, you got Montrez hair. Like it's they're they're absolutely loaded. And then you got the Clippers who are the same story. You know, Sir, like you said, Sergi Bach was a huge addition. He's done great for them, and you know, arguably is working better in the system than Montrez Harrell was working. Uh, they, and they got Kawhi Leonard. They got Paul George who's having almost a career year, honestly. He's he's putting up ridiculous stats this yeah. season. After a porous, you know, playoff run, he's having a great year, and other role players as well, right? A Reggie Jackson they added. Exactly. Uh, everybody forgets about Marcus Morris. Uh, we talked about Lou Williams. Uh, even Nick Batum kind of revitalized his career now in a Clippers uniform. Kind of fell off when he joined the Hornets after being so successful in Portland for so many years. He's kind of revi- he's worked himself into the starting lineup and done a great yeah. job as a role player. That's a, that's exactly it. Tyron Lue loves him. Yeah, and he loves him from right, from the beginning of the season because he's a veteran and he do, and he works well with that with that starting line. Reggie Jackson has been tremendous. I uh, because he was he wasn't you know we we remember the year that he scored 18 points a game for Detroit and really kind of put his name on the map. But he wanted out of Detroit, got bought out, kind of sat the bench for the Clippers last season. Season went on hiatus. They go to the bubble, doesn't really do much, doesn't really play. Pat Beverly is the main point guard, but Patrick, but, but they're two completely different players. Reggie Jackson's a score first guard, and Patrick Beverly is a defensive minded guard that doesn't need to score. Um, so it, it's that's exactly it. And the Lakers and Clippers both have years and years and years of playoff experience too, which you can't beat. And it's very tough to compare that to the Jazz, who have a bunch of players with little to no to no playoff experience at all. I mean, Conley almost never made the playoffs with the Grizzlies. Um, never made it far in the playoffs, I should say. Yeah, made the playoffs a good decent amount of times, but never really made it far. Um, they, you know, it's like it, it's you really can't tell until they actually go head to head with these guys. And if they're fully healthy, it's going to be tough. But what the Jazz are, the main takeaway that you got to take from this right now is that the Jazz are locked in and are playing good team basketball, which if you want any shot to beat the Lakers, Clippers, all that kind of stuff, you have to be completely dialed in uh, in the team game. You have to be passing. You can't be making any mistakes. You cannot be turning the ball over. You cannot have lapses on defense, and they haven't been doing any of that. So if they can stick to that, they have a shot. There's no doubt about that. But it's, of course... It's a long run. It's difficult to compare anybody to the Lakers and Clippers because of the amount of talent that those two teams have. 
but it'll be interesting to see. They, if they can keep this going, they yep. have a shot without a doubt. Yeah. To end us off here, last comment by me. Being said, with all the injuries, especially that AD one, because that's going to, they're saying two, three weeks, they're going to rest him for a while. I think a lot longer than that to make sure that he's ready for the playoffs. The Jazz are the team to beat right now in the Western Conference, no doubt in my mind. Definitely. Without a doubt. I completely agree. They're like, they're, they're the team that everybody's chasing right now. They're, mm-hmm. looking, they're looking, everybody's looking up at them. The Lakers are a little bit nervous right now with them, especially with, since Davis just went out, you don't know how long he's going to be out. Luckily it wasn't a tear or anything, but he's got that tendinosis. So like, which is a recurring thing that, you know, he's going to have to address. He's going to have to probably miss some time for every now and again. And, you know, the Clippers in and out, you know, Kawhi is injury prone. So it's, it's difficult, but the jazz are like, are the one team that have come out of the gates, just, Red hot. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. All right, Kyle. Do you have anything anything more to say? No, I think we covered all the bases for the uh the Utah Jazz. Great team in the Western Conference. Definitely. All right. That was Kyle Russo, everybody, from Review and Preview. Pleasure having you on the show, as always. Appreciate it, Paul. Thank you. So that was the jazz segment. Um didn't really get too much into the Drummond or Griffin trade trade talks. Nothing's really happened yet. Nothing really there. There's nothing really to talk about right now. Um, it's really just speculation at this point. The only thing to mention is Andre Drummond. Um, the trade market's heating up for him. The, the Cavaliers plan to sit him until they get a trade worked out. The trade deadline is March 25th, um, and they there's going to be. The trade's going to be worked out soon, and then shortly after Blake Griffin, the news came out that the Pistons are going to sit Blake Griffin until they can figure out something to do with him. Whether it was a little bit more vague, it was more like try to figure out like his future of playing rather than like demanding a trade or something like that. So, they I but the Pistons are probably the worst team in basketball. Um, they're just not a good team. They are in complete rebuilding mode. They need to acquire as many draft picks as possible, so they'll try to dump Blake Griffin with, without a doubt, any chat, any chance that they can. Um, so we'll switch topics a little bit. We'll head to the All-Star roster predictions. So I went over a couple of weeks ago who I pre- who I thought was going to uh, were some dark horses to make their first. All star for to make their first all star appearances, and we really we have um, only like a week or two before the all star rosters are completely revealed. The fan voting is is going in full force. So we got so I decided to lay out the twelve guys I had pre- I have predicted for my all star predictions. Normally, I always write it out, post it blog wise or anything, but going to reveal it here. Um, there's always they, it's it's very difficult to predict these because there's always a guy that you're like you look at the stats and you're like he's definitely going to make an all star and then you find out he gets snubbed like Bradley Beal last year you know was averaging thirty points a game I understand the Wizards weren't that bad but it's, it's averaging thirty points a game you're still an all star if you're averaging thirty points a game that's my take on that so we'll go through them a bit so first for the East starters basing these mostly off of uh, the fan vote. And there's certain players that are running away with it that are obviously going to be the starters. Uh, the first one, Joel Embiid, the center for Philadelphia 76ers. He's one of the MVP candidates right now. He's having the best year of his career. This will be his fourth All-Star appearance, averaging 29.6 points a game, 10.8 rebounds, 2.8 assists, and 1.3 steals. Um He's almost a shoo-in for to make the all-star team. That's that's almost a definite. He's leading in all the fan voting. He's definitely going to be a starter. And then the rest of the front court, I got Giannis Antetokounmpo, forward Milwaukee Bucks, obviously back-to-back MVPs the last couple of years. You know, you don't have to go too in-depth about Giannis. This would be his fifth all-star appearance. He's averaging 28 points, 11 and a half rebounds, 5.7 assists, like just having a, another six season. The Bucks have struggled a bit this year. They haven't been as dominant as they were last year. There's no doubt about that. But Giannis is a fan favorite. He's easily going to get the vote. And then rounding out the front court, uh, I got Kevin Durant, Brooklyn Nets. Of course, Durant having an amazing bounce back season after missing all of last year um, with the torn Achilles. 
Uh, this would be his 11th All-Star appearance. He's been in the league for a long time now, people. It's it's crazy to think, but I, I remember when he first came in the league. Then he's a deep veteran now. He's averaging 29 points a game, 7.3 rebounds, 5.3 assists. He's been by far with a, uh, with a team that now has Kyrie Irving and James Harden. He's become he's by far the the face of the team and has been the real leader. So there's no doubt about that. And those three guys are all going to get voted in most likely. So that those will be the starters without a doubt. And then you got the backcourt. So first in the backcourt, I got James Harden guard for the Brooklyn Nets. Obviously Um, Harden's had a ridiculously good year. We all know the story. We, we reviewed it when it happened. Um, You know, got trade from the Rockets and creating the big three with Kyrie and KD. It's been it's been an up-and-down journey for them this year. It's been a very interesting one. They lose to bad teams, and they beat good teams. You know, they're, they're still a little out of rhythm. It's their three dynamic scorers that are, you know, all trying to um, to bounce back, to really, like, put together a solid core that can be competitive together. So, like, it's... It's it's a it's an adjusting process because none of them played together. I mean, KD and Harden played together years ago, but that was about it. I mean, James Harden, he's going to get voted into one of the guys who's not leading in the voting, but I think will end up getting in as a starter. Will be Bradley Beal. It'll be the redemption for his ridiculous snub last season for the All Star team. It was absolutely ridiculous. He was snubbed. Averaged nearly 30 points by the hurt on wall, the Wizards, just because he was on a bad team. He's averaging 32.9 points per game this season. Um, this would be his third all-star appearance. You know, I've heard people say he might not make it this year because the Wizards are one of the worst teams in the league. Like, if you're averaging 30, if you leads the league in scoring, you're averaging 32.9 points, you're an all-star. Like, it doesn't matter if you're on a bad team. You don't have to take anybody else from the Wizards, but you have to take him. Like, you can't take the, the league's leading score. If the dude's averaging over 30 points a game, he's an all-star, like, by definition. So those are the obvious choices. Then the East Reserves. This is where it gets a little bit more interesting. I, you know, mixed it up a little bit. Had a couple of interesting snubs that I'll go over at the end. Um, re- I have reasons for all of my snubs. But there's a lot of guys, especially when James Harden was traded to the East, there's a lot of guys that are worthy of being named to the All-Star team. So I so I chose now I'm also I will also tell you some guys who I think that I chose that you could get snubbed for, and I'll give you the reasoning behind them. But first up, Trey Young, guard Atlanta Hawks, uh having another ridiculous year, made his first all-star team last year. This is the third year of his career, and will be his second all-star appearance, averaging 26 points a game, 9.4 assists. Um, all-around superstar. He's almost a layup, even though Atlanta hasn't been great this year. He's He's got to make it. Uh, I've got Jalen Brown for a guard for the Boston Celtics. Uh, he's had a tremendous year. Jason Tatum's been hurt a little bit. Kemba Walker's been hurt a little bit. Um, well, Kemba Walker was hurt. Jason Tatum had COVID for a period of time. But Jalen Brown's taken over uh, in those two guys' absence and completely has has completely took his game to another level. He came into the league as a defensive-minded player, and he's developed in a lethal offensive game now, too. Sharpshire, he's averaging 26 points a game, 5.7 rebounds. I think that they're going to give him a nod for a reserve spot on the East bench. Then the last guard I have on the East bench is Zach Levine. Now, I think we got a comment about Zach Levine. Yeah, really hoping Levine gets in. He's having an insane season in Chicago. I completely agree. And that's why I had to choose him. I think that it's almost definite that he gets in because you really can't, you really can't not take him. He has been getting snubbed the last couple of years. He's averaging 28 points a game this year, 5.4 rebounds, 5.3 assists. He's by far the star of that Chicago Bulls team. You know, he has been getting snubbed the last couple of years, as I've been saying. This is this has to be the year that he makes it. This, he is like almost definitely not going to get snubbed. I wouldn't think. Uh, so those those are my three guards off the bench again: Trey Young, Jalen Brown, and uh, Zach Levine. Then I got two forwards off the bench. Uh, seven guys total off the bench. So I have two centers too. My first forward: Julius Randle on the Knicks. Now 
this could be a little bit biased, but there's no way that he shouldn't make the all-star team. The Knicks are a competitive team this year, and it's mostly due to him. He has been an absolute star this year. He's averaging 22.4 points, 11.1 rebounds, 5.6 assists as a power forward. He's putting up like he's putting up ridiculous numbers. You know, the, these numbers are besides the scoring are similar to Giannis, as in like 11 rebounds, five assists. Obviously, Giannis scores like nine more points than him per game, but it's, you know, comparable. I think then if the Knicks were bad this year, if they were one of the worst teams in the league, he probably wouldn't get in, even though he has that stat line. But since they've been in the playoff race, I think he's got to get in. And then another team who's in the playoff race, who has a forward that's been a star, is Domantas Sabonis. Sabonis made it last year, his first all-star appearance. He's averaging even better this year, 20.8 points, 11.5 rebounds, 5.6 assists. Um he, he does it all similar to, to what Julius Randle does. And uh, yeah, I think that, yeah, I mean, Randle, they've, the two of them have had pretty much similar seasons, honestly. Um, like almost identical seasons, actually. And like 2010 and five. But I think that Sabonis has to make it. There's no doubt about that. I, um, you know, is he one of the ones that can get snubbed? I still don't feel like that. There's one, I think Randall might get snubbed. If I had to guess, like a couple of guys to get snubbed. And then we'll round it off with the two centers. I have I have Bam Adebayo from Miami Heat. Made, made the first made his first all-star appearance last year. Um, averaging 19.5 points, 9.3 rebounds, 5.2 assists. He's another great passing big man. Um, great two-way guy turning into one of the best players in the league. Uh, Miami struggled a bit this year, but I feel like he's got to make it. And then the last guy is Nikola Vucevic, center for the Orlando Magic. He's averaging 23 points a game, 23.7 points a game, 11.4 rebounds, 3.4 assists, um, and getting ready to make his second all-star appearance. Well, would make his second all-star appearance. So those are my seven. I'll have them ticker across the bottom in case anybody wants to look afterwards while we go over the West. But um, the, the, I think, so since I chose those guys, there's a few snubs that, you know, that that come to mind um, immediately. Ben Simmons being one of them. Ben Simmons, uh, I think it's difficult. I feel like there's a good shot Ben Simmons does make it, but it. I feel like, his numbers just haven't been great, but because of how dominant he is on the defensive end, he might make it. So it's it's very difficult. If he ends up making it, then somebody like Randall or Vucevic will get snubbed. Another guy I don't have making is Kyrie. And mostly because of the time he's missed this year. I think Kyrie might get voted in, though. If he gets voted in as a starter, then he's going to make it. And then, you know, they're going to have to figure out the rest of it. But... um. I think that they, he missed a lot of time from for you know the personal reasons that he had, and I think that that might end up coming back to bite, especially since there's so many there's so many worthy guards in the East. The East has become loaded since James Harden traded was traded over there. So I think that those are some interesting guys. And then Malcolm Brogdon, another guy I consider, Colin Sexton, Tobias Harris. Those guys I feel like are all Candace that'll probably get snubbed. <laughs> to be completely honest. Um, I think that they, they're like on the outside looking in, they're very close to, you know, to getting there though. They're definitely like, they're on the edge They're you know, Sexton could be a year away from making the all-star team. Um, Andre Drummond too, but since Drummond's going to be getting sat for Cleveland, he probably doesn't have a shot. He was putting up all-star numbers though. Uh, he got snubbed too. <laughs> He got snubbed too, um, it, last year especially. So he he's going to be an interesting one to watch. So I don't think he has any shot of making it, but I, you know, keep him in the snubs. And then we'll go over the West, keep the East tickering on the bottom, so you can keep looking over it. So the West starters, these are pretty basic. These are kind of layups. They're all leading in the voting, and they're all like pretty obvious choices to uh to make the all-star team. Nicole Jokic center for the Denver Nuggets, obviously gonna make it. 
averaging 26.5 points, 11.5 rebounds, 8.7 assists, uh, putting up ridiculous stats. He's easily been the best center in the league this year. He's got to make it. LeBron, obviously, uh, would be his 17th straight All-Star appearance. 25.5 points a game, 8 rebounds, 8 assists, 1 steal. He's had another unbelievable season. He is almost definitely going to make it. He gets, he always gets the fan vote. He always starts. Um, and then Kawhi Leonard will be the other one. So that would be the front court. Kawhi Leonard will be his fifth All-Star appearance, averaging 26.7 points. You know, the rest, 5.9 rebounds, 5 assists, tremendous defense. Then the back court, two fan favorites that are having tremendous years that are leading the voting once again, Steph Curry and Damian Lillard. Um, almost definitely Steph Curry missed almost all of last season due to injury and has bounced back extremely well this year. He's had an insane year for Golden State, almost single-handedly been keeping them alive too with James Wiseman hurt, Clay Thompson missing a whole another year due to injury. They're, they've been a decimated team that have that's had to play a lot of young players, but Steph Curry's been keeping them afloat and He's been keeping them afloat with some sick numbers. 29.9 points a game, 5.9 assists, 5.4 rebounds. I mean, he's he was averaging over 30 points a game for a good portion of this season. He's been ridiculous. You know, he moved into uh what did he do? He moved into second all time. Three pointers made. It's just a matter of time before he catches Ray Allen for the most three pointers made. And then but and then, you know, by the time his career's over, he's probably gonna hit a number that might never be reached in NBA history ever again. Um, he's the greatest three-point shooter that has ever touched basketball. There's no doubt about that. Um, I'll argue with the old heads about that, but that's that is the truth. He is the best, uh, best shooter of all time. So those those five are basic. So then I got my bench. The bench is like there's no the the West doesn't have many shocks to be honest with you. Um, like the East, my shocks were like Julius Randle and Nikola Vucevic and uh like not having Kyrie and Ben Simmons make it and if Kyrie and Ben Simmons make it maybe Randall doesn't make it maybe Vucevic doesn't make it or maybe one of the guards doesn't make it maybe like Jalen Brown doesn't make it or Zach Levine doesn't make it something like that but the West is pretty much like I I honestly have a feeling I'm going to get 12 out of 12 correct I'm going to come back to this too when they announce the reserves too I'm going to come back on this show, and I'm going to tell you guys exactly how I did. I mean, you guys could keep track if you want to, but I'm very interested to see how how well I do. I don't always do great. I always end up getting a few wrong, but I feel like in the West, I might get it exactly right because the West is not that hard to predict this year. Uh, the guards, I have Luka Doncic, obviously. Dallas Mavericks would be a second All-Star appearance in his third season, 29.1 points a game, 9.4 assists, 8.6 rebounds, averaging near a triple-double, Single-handedly keeping that Dallas that decimated Dallas Mavericks team afloat. Um, Porzingis has been hurt again this year. Um, they've been going through injury issues. They're just not that deep, and Don, Doncic has been the main reason why they've been so good. And another guard, Donovan Mitchell, Utah Jazz. He's almost a definite Jazz. We just had a nice long segment about the Jazz. Bit. Best team, best team record wise in the league. He's averaging 20, he's their leading score, 24.2 points per game, 5.1 assists, 4.3 rebounds. Made the All Star team last year for the first time. This would be his second All Star appearance. Uh, and then Devin Booker for the Phoenix Suns is the last guard I have in the reserves. Uh, Booker's been snubbed a few times because he's been cursed by playing for the Suns. And the Suns have been a bad team for a long time. The Suns actually have a good team this year. Traded for Chris Paul. They DeAndre Aiden has taken a big step forward. So they're definitely moving in the right direction. There's no doubt about that. And Booker's going to get rewarded by making an all-star team. He's going to be the only son that makes it. Chris Paul probably doesn't make it. But Devin Booker averaging 24.5 points a game, 4.3 assists. We know how much of a star he is. He'll he'll be on the bench. And then I got three forwards and one center to end off the reserves for the uh for the West. I got Paul George for the Clippers. He's almost definitely going to make it. 24.4 points, 6.2 rebounds. This will be his seventh All-Star appearance. He's he arguably had a better season than Kawhi Leonard. He's arguably been the best player to on the se- the season for the Clippers. Uh, he's been amazing. He's really, uh, after you know, getting the nickname Pandemic P, and you know, after that, the terrible bubble that 
the bubble performance he had in the playoffs this past year. Um, he's he's really bounced back big time, and he's back to the old Paul George, tremendous two way player. Uh, Anthony Davis, another obvious one for the Lakers. 22.5 points a game, 8.4 rebounds, three assists. He obviously just got hurt. We don't know how long he's going to be out, um, but he's been basically been active the entire season. So, like, so he's a definite to get named, I think, to the All Star team. Maybe if they find out he's going to be out for a few weeks, they revoke his name or something and someone else gets it, but we'll see. And Zion Williamson, I think Zion's going to make his first All Star appearance this year. Um, missed a lot of his rookie year due to injury. One of the most hyped up NBA prospects we've seen in a long time. Uh, he was incredible in college. He's got ridiculous athleticism, averaging 24.4 points a game, 6.8 rebounds, 2.9 assists. Does a little bit of everything. Uh, he's a freak athlete. Everyone knows the story on Zion, you know. it's And I think he's going to make his first All-Star appearance. There's no doubt about that. Ingram made the All-Star team last year from the Pelicans. Uh, Zion is going to take the crown this year as the Pelicans representative. And then Rudy Gobert, too. Rudy Gobert's had a ridiculously good season again, uh, making a legit run for his third Defensive Player of the Year award. Uh, He's averaging 14 points, 13.4 rebounds, 2.8 blocks, and 1.3 assists. Uh, This would be his second All-Star appearance he made for the first time last season. Um, And that's... And that that was the Western Reserves. That basically um, is all twelve of them. Is all twelve of my predictions. So I'll have them ticker on the bottom in case you know it, anybody wants to review them. But as for the snubs, there's no real big name snubs. I mean, De'Aaron Fox is one that's definitely going to get some consideration. He's having a great year for Sacramento. Sacramento. Has struggled a bit this season. He hasn't, uh, and I don't know if he's really at that level that he can make it in a tough West. Shy Gilgis Alexander uh, is having a tremendous season, plays for a terrible team in the Thunder, though, which is going to hurt him. Tamar DeRozan is having a good season. The Spurs are actually competitive this year, so he will get some looks. There's no doubt about that. He's one guy that gets consideration, but the guards are just too heavy for him to actually get it. If there's an injury or something, maybe he gets chosen. And Christian Wood, Christian Wood, I would have projected being a reserve. He's having a tremendous season for the Rockets, but he just got hurt. He's going to be out for several weeks. So he's definitely going to be hurt during the time of the All-Star game too. And I think that that probably keeps him out of even making the All-Star team. Uh, he, I think he was a definite to make the All-Star team before that. he pro- I probably would have chose him over maybe Zion. Um, I don't know. Probably Zion. Yeah. Looking it over, I probably would have taken him over Zion. If anything, I wouldn't have taken him over Gobert because you need another center. I mean, Christian Woods is like a power forward slash center, but like, um, it's tough. I think that like, I think it, it, but Wood basically really doesn't have much of a shot. So the West really has a, has a very, straight pattern for like for what their um for what their all-star team is going to look like i think you know the east has more question marks you know for people who enjoy this some people don't care don't care at all about the all-star game i i love seeing who get who makes it who gets the honors of making it and all that kind of stuff it's big it's a big thing to look at when a player is getting considered for the hall of fame so that's why i always look forward to the all-star appearances but I think the East is going to be interesting. There's a few question marks, and the West is pretty much like I really think those twelve. Um, that's that's what's going to be the the roster. Um, and I think those five stars are going to be what the stars are going to be because they're all leading the fan voting too, and they're all the fan favorites. So, so those are my choices. I'll keep it tickering on the bottom for a few minutes longer, but we'll. We'll hop in for the last about 10 minutes of the show. We'll hop into some college basketball, talk a little bit about the AP poll that that came up um, that was just dropped this week for week 12. And then we'll go over some of the top college games of the week. So some so some new news uh, for the AP poll this week. Illinois jumped up to number five in the country, came back, entered back in the top five after 
a couple of wins this past week, being Nebraska. Uh, Villanova fell again. Villanova has been struggling a bit since they came back from their from their nearly month long uh, COVID break. They fell from five to ten this week, so they're 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 uh, starting to fall off a little bit. They've got a couple of interesting tests that we'll go over in the big names, big games of the week that'll really show um, how much further they can fall uh this 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 week and see if they can put start to put it together and get back and get back into uh the groove texas tech another one fell from seven to 15 um after some bad losses mac mcclung has been amazing for them he's been their star player uh usc jumps even higher usc snuck into the top 25 last week at 20 and now they're back up to 17 you know evan mobley who's going to be a top five pick in this year's draft has had a ridiculous season for usc they've been great Probably the best team in the Pac-12 this year. Um, Pac-12 has been pretty weak this season. You know, UCLA hasn't been great. Arizona hasn't been great. Um, Oregon hasn't been great, like, ranked-wise. So uh, USC jumped even higher. So USC is in the top, like, even further up in the top 20. And one, one interesting one, Loyola Chicago remains at 22, despite splitting the series this weekend with Drake. Uh, they played Drake... As we went over last week, they played Drake on Friday or on Saturday and Sunday this past weekend, both games at Drake. Um, Drake was ranked 25 a couple weeks ago. They lost to Valparaiso and they fell out of the top 25. And Loyola Chicago jumped from out of the top 25 to 22 last week. And Loyola Chicago beat Drake on Saturday and Drake beat them on Sunday. Two best teams in that division. One of them can very well uh, get an at-large bid. Too. It's going to be very interesting to see when it comes to tournament time. Uh, they, one of them can easily get an at-large bid. They've both been dynamic. Uh, if Drake wins the the uh, tw- the championship for the division, you can see Loyola Chicago getting an at-large bid, and vice versa. You know, Drake might have a more of a difficult chance of getting an at-large bid, but like, but Loyola Chicago stays the same even after a loss. Kansas rejoins top twenty-five after falling out for the first time in twelve years. Last week, and they're back at 23. Arkansas jumped in at 24, making four SEC teams ranked, um, and none of them are Kentucky, which is which is interesting. And uh, probably the biggest fall of the week, Missouri fell from 10 to 20 uh, on this week's rankings. So uh, after a couple of bad losses, too, from Missouri. So they, there was... A few surprises and mostly stayed the same. You kind of just saw teams move around and stuff. A couple of teams jumped in. San Diego State also jumped in to the top 25. San Diego State doing great again like they do every year. No matter who's on the team, they always they always put together a competitive squad. Now we'll go over quickly. We'll go over some of the top college games of the week for the final part of this part of the show. Um, as we do every week. This week isn't there aren't too many big games. Um, as as we've seen in previous weeks, but there are some interesting ones. First one being number seven Virginia at sixteen Florida State, which is going on right now Monday at seven o'clock. So it's probably at halftime right now. Um, nice ACC showdown. That probably might be the two best teams in the ACC ranking wise, or or up there maybe one and three. But it's, Virginia's on a four game winning streak and they're first in the ACC. So this is a good game. Um, don't know what the score of that is, but I'll probably be tuning into that once this show's over. Uh, next one, showing some love to my favorite team, the St. John's Red Storm. Uh, they take on Xavier tomorrow, Tuesday at 8.30. Uh, this is a big game. Two unranked teams, but these are two sleepers in the Big East that are on the bubble of the NCAA tournament. These are two teams who have been striving big time and could get at-large bids if they... Um, get close to winning out the rest of the way. The St. John's has won six of their last seven games. They lost their last game after being on a six game winning streak. And Xavier is 11 and three uh, total and four and three in the conference. So these are two really good big East teams uh, that can get at large bids. And this is going to be a really good game to watch because they're going to be really, they're going to be really interesting. It's going to be a really interesting battle to to watch the two of them um to watch the two of them compete without a doubt and 
Next one, we got number 12, Texas, at number 9, Oklahoma, Tuesday at 9. Uh, another Big 12 showdown. Texas Texas and Oklahoma have almost had identical records, uh, both 13-5 and five total. Texas, 7-4, and four, Oklahoma is 8-4. and four. So they've been they've been very good. Uh, Texas beat Oklahoma last time they played, so this is going to be a good game to watch. Another two two top fifteen teams. Um, then we jump to Thursday. We got number eleven Iowa at number twenty one Wisconsin Thursday at seven. This is going to be a really good game too. Iowa was struggling a little bit. They started climbing back up the the AP poll this week. Wisconsin has been great all season. Uh, but they've lost two of their last three to Illinois and Michigan. Iowa's moved up after a big week of beating Rutgers and Michigan State. So this is going to be another interesting Big Ten matchup that, that'll be fun to watch. Another unranked game, Utah State at Boise State. Two teams who are the two best teams in the Mountain West. Um, they're t- both tied for first right now in the Mountain West. Both teams that... Uh, Another conference where one of the the team that doesn't win could get an at-large bid. Both of these teams have legit shots at the tournament. Boise State, 16-4, 12-3 in conference. Utah State's 14-5, 11-2 in conference. Um, they're both on the bubble. Whoever wins that division is going to end up getting the automatic bid, but it'd be interesting to see if one of them can get an at-large bid too. Both had, have been having amazing seasons. Utah State had a great year last year too. Mimi Escada is a great player versus... Derek Alston Jr., the star of Boise State. So that's a good one to watch out for if you're up late on Friday night without much to do. You want to tune into a uh, to a Mountain West game. I recommend it. I might watch it. We'll see. Now we'll jump to games on Saturday. We've got 18 Virginia Tech at 16 Florida State. Virginia Tech's been red hot. Florida State has been up and down this year. Um, it's going to be a very tough weekend. It's going to be a very tough week for Florida State because they're playing Virginia and Virginia Tech. Uh, we like we said earlier, the game that's going on right now, they're playing Virginia, and then they got Virginia Tech this weekend. So two tough ACC teams they got lined up for this week. So this could be a real statement for uh, for um, Florida State to like really to prove um, how legit they are, and then. Another game on Saturday, another Big East showdown. We got UConn at number 10, Villanova. Now, UConn was ranked for a good amount this season. Their star player, James Booknight, went down with injury, and they basically have been terrible since then. And Villanova has been struggling a lot, too. So these are two Big East teams that were in the top 25, Villanova still is, that are struggling big time. And um, they... Either team can benefit off the other right now. I think you know Villanova is going to have an interesting week uh, playing against playing against uh, UConn and a couple of other Big East games. They're barely holding on to the top to the top spot ahead of Creighton. Creighton's played a lot more games than them because Villanova uh, had about that month long break because of COVID, the COVID outbreak that happened for their basketball program. So. It's been an interesting one. Another good big, another good big East game to include. Um, then another game on Saturday, another Big Twelve showdown. We got 15 Texas Tech at 23 Kansas. This is going to be a good one. Mac McClung has been awesome this year. Texas Tech fell from seven to 15, as I alluded to before this week. Um, so this this could be a big statement win for Texas Tech, but it could also be a big statement win for Kansas, who fell out of the top 25 barely got back in this week at 23 and are in desperate need of a big win to elevate them forward to get a good seed for the tournament this year. Uh, a win against Texas Tech, a win against Texas Tech could ju- do just that. And I think that this is there's a lot on the line for both of these teams in this game. These would be good wins for for either one. So, be interesting. And then we got 13 West Virginia at number 12 Texas Saturday at 3 o'clock. It's a tough week for Texas as well. They're playing West Virginia and Oklahoma this week. So they got a couple of tests. Shock Smart squad has been amazing all season. They've been struggling a little bit recently. They were top five in the country. Now they fell all the way to 12. Uh, West Virginia has been up and down. They've had a good team. They've been surging as of late. So this is going to be a really good game that I'm looking forward to. And now, and then the number one game of the week that's coming on Sunday will be number three, Michigan, at number four, Ohio State. Michigan barely won yesterday 
after their first game in about 20 something days due to their COVID lockdown, they were very out of sorts yesterday. Um, and Ohio state might be able to capitalize on that. This would be a big win for Ohio state, easily the best game of the week. Michigan has been red hot all year, only has one loss on the season. Um, but the COVID lock, this is a tough task for them coming off of a three week hiatus due to COVID. And, you know, that can mess up almost any team and it's, it definitely can mess up them without a doubt. So those are the best games to watch. And that will pretty much do it for the, this, uh, this week's episode of the three and D thank you all for uh, tuning in. I uh, want to thank everybody in the crowd, everybody listening to uh, to it via review and previews youtube channel review and previews anchor don't forget to subscribe to us um for for a video for a brand new episode every single week and want to thank everybody for tuning in and enjoy the rest of your night